59.59, the context is that when Jacob was leaving to go find a wife from his own people and escape from Esau who wanted to kill him, he promised that he'd come back to Bethel and worship God and give a tenth of what he had. He had not done that. And so the Lord nudges him in 35.1 and says, Arise, go up to Bethel and make an altar there to God. In other words, do what you said you were going to do. So they do. God causes the people of the land to fear them so that they're able to go without uh, being persecuted in any way. And now we see what God's going to say to Jacob now that he's at Bethel. So Genesis 35, uh, somebody want to read 9 to 15. And God appeared to Jacob again when he came from, how did we pronounce that? Peyton Aram. Peyton Aram, and he blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. And the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give it to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. And God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out a libation on it. He also poured oil on it. So Jacob named the place there where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Okay, so this makes reference to the time when God appeared to him at this place when he was going to Paden Aram. You remember that event? What happened? No, that was on his way fleeing from Esau. What did he see in a dream? The ladder. The ladder. With the angels going up and down the ladder and the Lord appearing to him and promising to be with him and take care of him. Well, now he appears to Jacob again here in this place, here in Bethel. What do you think about verse 10? <coughs> Does that strike you as strange? Done yeah. What's he saying this now? Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Because when had he done that earlier? After the wrestling. Yes, when he clung to God for a blessing, and God said, You're no longer somebody trying to be a Jacob grabbing thing for yourself, uh, but you're clinging to me. You're a prince with God in Israel. So why does he say that here? more like an Israel than a Jacob? Well, I think he may be acting more like a Jacob than an Israel, <laughs> and he needs him. to live up to his name change. You know, the fact that he didn't go back to Bethel. You know, he kind of did things his own way, which didn't work out too well with the massacre at Shechem and so forth. Maybe an indication God's reminding him, you're supposed to be called Israel now. You're supposed to live depending on me and not doing things your own way. I suspect that's the reason that he reminds him of that. And then he also reminds him of the blessings. He says to be fruitful and multiply, which was the creation order as well. And what is what blessings <coughs> is he promising? Nation. Yeah. And not just a nation, but Lots of nations, and even kings. kings will come from you, and what other great blessing? 
land which he had promised. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so Jacob sets up this pillar of stone and pours out a drink offering and pours oil on it to anoint it. Does that remind you of anything? Last time you used there. Yes. What stone did he set up as a pillar the last time he was there? That's exactly right, the one he'd used as a pillow. And so he does that again, kind of a memorial stone here, to remind uh, everyone that God had appeared to him. And do you remember what the original name of this place was? Luz. Luz. And as he had done in chapter 28, he again remembers the name now is Bethel, because Bethel means... House of God, yeah. The place where God appeared to him now a second time, 20-some years later, as he's come back to this place after his time in Peyton Aaron. Comments and questions? He talks about setting up a stone. It's just when I read that, I think, you know, he sets up a pillar, and you're thinking this 6,000-pound, you know, rock. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. But you know, the the other one that he used as a pillar was also a pillow. <laughs> yes. So it See, can't have been that big. And in the south, it's the same word, so you didn't have to translate. <laughs> used it as a pillar, and then he, then he used it as a pillar. You suppose he spoke southern Hebrew. <laughs> southern Hebrew. <laughs> He's from the deep, <laughs> deep south of Canaan. Yeah. yeah but, so it. I mean, I always picture that as something significant, but we're looking at a... Yeah, it was significant, but wasn't real big. It was significant right. because of the symbolism, not because of the size. Right. Yeah. <coughs> Other questions or comments? All right, uh, 16 to, to 20. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. And it came about when she was in severe labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for now you have another son. And it came about as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Okay. So, first time we've seen this in a while. Another addition to the family. Who's the mom? Rachel. Rachel. How many other sons had she born to Jacob? Who was? Joseph. And so, what number son is this? Twelve, You know, this is the last son uh, that he's going to have. And she's suffering really bad labor. And what ends up happening? She dies. She dies. He gains a son and loses a wife. Now, do you remember something? I don't know that you would. you remember something really ironic about that? Remember something Rachel had said? <clears throat> what did she say? I don't have sons, I'll die. Yeah, look back at chapter 30 and verse 1. Very good, Cameron. In chapter 30 and verse 1, she had said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. 
as if Jacob could, you know, produce them for her. But she ends up, ironically, dying, giving birth to her second child. She names him Benoni, the son of my sorrow. But that wasn't a very good name for a child, even though it was her sorrow. <clears throat> she died in childbirth. So Jacob renames him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. And uh, so it was really sad. Um, but I'm sure would make you know Jacob perhaps even more attached to him since he's kind of the remembrance of you know the last you know birth that his <clears throat> wife had. Comments or questions about that? All right, twenty-one to twenty-six. Then Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. It came about while Israel was dwelling in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now there were twelve sons of Jacob, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, then Simeon and Levi and Judah, and Issachar and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin, and the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maid, Dan and Naphtali, and the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maid, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padmeir. Okay. Well, what does Reuben do? Makes his father's concubine. That wasn't a very good thing. What was he thinking? Maybe he just fell in love with but that'd be really gross. But maybe. But is there another possibility? <clears throat> he was angry at his father because of how he showed that favoritism? That could be. You know, with the kings, who do the concubines end up belonging to and the wives? The next king. The next king. I wonder if he's trying to kind of replace his father prematurely and make sure he gets his, you know, double portion of the estate or whatever. I don't know, but I've wondered if that could be a part of that. <laughs> At any rate, what was the outcome of this? Do you know? He was passed over for the first. He was the firstborn, but he lost <clears throat> his inheritance double portion of the inheritance, and he did not get the blessing passed through him either. So he does not actually fulfill the role as the firstborn. Who ends up actually getting the double portion of the inheritance as the firstborn in this family? Joseph, didn't he? Joseph, who was the 11th son. Why Joseph, do you suppose? Firstborn of his first, or his first love. Yes, firstborn of his favorite wife. Yeah. So Joseph is the double portion because there was no tribe of Joseph, right? There were tribes of Ephraim. Ephraim and Manasseh, Joseph's two sons, that were counted on an equal basis with their uncles, Jacob's sons. Um, who gets the blessing passed through him? Judah. Judah, who was not the firstborn, 
He was the... Or the second. He was the fourth. Reuben doesn't get it because of this. Simeon and Levi are two and three. Why don't they get the blessing passed through them? What? The Dinah event. The Dinah event, how they exterminated the Chechemites through the deceitful use of circumcision. So they were passed over for that, so Judah ends up getting the blessing. All that sort of worked out in chapters 48 and 49 and summarized in 1 Chronicles 5 as well. So, that this is the complicating factor that keeps Reuben out of receiving the blessing or the birthright. And then he just lists the sons. Does he list them in birth order here? What does he list them in? Mother order. Mother order. What does that kind of tell you about this family? They're segmented. They're what? Kind of segmented. Yes, segmented. Exactly. This is a divided family. Four different mothers. And you can see that from time to time in some things that have happened in the family. Uh, but what a shame, you know, that you've got that. So he lists... Leah's sons, then Rachel's sons, then the sons of Rachel's handmaid, and the sons of Zilpah's handmaid. And uh, those are the 12 uh, that, that he, uh, he ended up having. Comments or questions through 26? All right, uh, 27 29. And Jacob came unto Isaac, his father, unto Mamre, unto the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were a hundred and fourscore years. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered into his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Okay. So we see the death here of Isaac at 180 years old. And who ends up coming together to bury him? Okay. Yes. Um, you know, do you remember who came together to bury Abraham? Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac and Ishmael. Kind of reunions of a divided family at the burial. Sometimes you see that today. You know, people kind of come together, you know, to bury their parent or grandparent or whatever that might not have been together very much otherwise. And so Esau and Jacob bury Isaac. And uh, that's that. So, I believe there's been three deaths in this chapter. You know, Re Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, and then Rachel, and now Isaac. All right, comments or questions on chapter 35? Chapter 36, 1 to 8. Now these are the records of the generations of Esau, that is Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon, the, the Hittite, and Ahoyobama, the daughter of Anah, the granddaughter of Zibion, the Hivite. Also Basemath, 